Coming up in this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup podcast, we talk to special guest Antti Harpasalo, who is the content creator for Super Pessis. We also discuss the moves during the off-season and all the latest news that's coming up on Super Pessis Roundup podcast. Hello and welcome to the June 2020 episode of Super Pesis Roundup podcast. I'm your host Ian Alba and joining me are my co-hosts uh, Ron Bronson. Uh, Ron, how are you doing? You alright? Doing alright. Good to talk to you all again. And uh, my other co-host Mikko Pirhonen. Uh, Mikko, how are you doing? All good. All good. Good to go. Fantastic. Also joining me today is a very special guest indeed. Um, he's the content creator for uh, Super Pesis and runs the official podcast uh, for Pespolo, and that is Antti Harpasolo. Uh, Antti, how are you? You alright? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. This is a new experience for me because usually I'm the host and asking the <laughs> difficult <laughs> questions. So <laughs> let's see how it goes. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't say I'm going to be asking you any difficult questions, but um, certainly <laughs> no, it's, it's... Just kidding, uh, just kidding. <laughs> it's, it's a pleasure to have you uh, on, on the podcast. Um, so what I wanted to talk about, first of all, really, is um, for either some of the people who don't know who uh, you are, Andy, or want to know a little bit more about you, um, I've mentioned that you're the content creator for uh, Super Basis. What does that involve in of itself? Uh, well, that involves, uh, of course, uh, social media and and, uh, and website, and actually, it involves a lot of things. So I I'll do like uh, stories, write text, film film videos, and edit videos, and do podcasts, and 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 take photos. So uh, like all around guy. <laughs> and uh, am I right? Because uh, I, I I saw one of the. Uh news articles when you were first appointed uh, i think it was back in 2017 is that right yeah yeah in in autumn of uh, 2017 yeah and um you, you came to the sport uh, from quite an early age is that right yeah uh, I, I i've been you could say i've been living in in pesapalo field as long as i remember my parents were fond of the sports all my family were and still are <laughs> Every everyone still are uh, fond of the sport, and and uh, I I sort of like it was very natural that <laughs> I would I would be fond of it too. So like from early nineties, I my my first my first real uh, own memory from Pesapallo is from nineteen ninety four and the uh, first final game, uh, Hyvinkään Tahko, Oulu Lippo, and 
I remember it because I remember the ambulance that came to the field because Kimmo Pulliainen got <laughs> got a nasty nasty <laughs> strike to his head. But, but Hit that to the was, head, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was yeah. that was something that a little little kid and little auntie <laughs> remembers. <laughs> I was four years old then. Wow. <laughs> So obviously, um, that's a lasting memory for you, and, and you've, uh, like you say, you've grown up uh, in the sport. A lot of people who listen to this podcast are either coming to the sport new from other countries, or or even from inside uh, Finland, uh, looking at new things. Um, we've seen a bit of a shift uh, historically uh, with Pespalo being, and this is a topic that I've covered with with Mikko before. Pespalo being a, a game more of the country. And now we're starting to see it, it kind of gain some traction and some support in cities. And in fact, uh, Tampere uh, this year now uh, have their men's team in the Superpesis. Where do you think we're going in terms of uh, the future of the sport in cities? Mm, I, I, I think the situation really mirrors the uh, uh, demographic now and the change of demographic in, in Finland and, and the urban... Uh, urbanization that people are moving from r- rural areas to cities and and that has been going on like from 60s but now it's drastically just speeding up and speeding up and i think it's quite natural that now people who are moving to cities they they still are fond of pesapallo and they want to be part of it they want to play it they want to see it so so now the cities will also grow because at one point we have to remember that uh, Helsinki, the capital city of Finland, was in, in this uh, the first decade of, of the sport. It was like uh, the dominant <laughs> dominant uh, city of, of of the sport and dominant place. So it was somewhere about fifties and sixties and seventies that that it it shifted to the rural areas and and the tradition grew strong there. From there on, but now, now it's starting to creep on back to the cities now. Now, a little bit back again. Do you see a, a, a different way in the way that the uh, city teams are approaching their fans, or they promote themselves uh, as opposed to the country? Well, in in countryside and in in the smaller towns, I think the teams and the clubs and the players who play in the teams they mean a little bit more to the community than in a bigger city Uh, for example Tampere where I also live right now of course there is uh, like a little bit bubbling under there very enthusiastic fans but if you consider that how many people live here like over 200,000 it's obvious that they are not that kind of superstars here that they could be like in Vimpeli where they cannot like go to a grocery store without being <laughs> harassed by enthusiastic fans but but uh, that's a something something different and I I've, I've talked with the players and talked with players who move from bigger city to smaller one and and they also say that uh, it you can feel how everyone in the smaller towns and smaller villages, uh, people breathe Pesapalo there, and and they are really, really proud of the club and team and the players. 
So maybe that's something uh, when when uh, people are or players are moving in bigger cities, they have to. Uh, or maybe someone is happy that they can live a <laughs> normal life <laughs> outside of Pesafal without being noticed. One of the things um, we were just talking about was the the demographics themselves. Uh, do you find that? More of the fans in the cities are older or, or, or younger than people in the countryside, or, or there's not really much of a difference. Uh, well, maybe in some cases there is some towns, like for Vimpeli, for example, you you can see the demographic. It's the folk who live there are quite old, and and there then in the cities there are more young people. So maybe that. Uh, that balance is there, but but um, if you consider that uh, the the Pesapalo crowd is quite even out, so there are uh, almost fifty fifty men and 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 women and and uh, children and families and and all that. So it's it's quite hard to say what's the uh, what's the uh, specific balance. So so, but this is just just my own empiric <laughs> uh, experience maybe a little bit older in the in the rural areas but that that is as i said that's maybe just a mirroring of the um, uh, whole demographic of, of of people in finland because people especially young people they are moving out from the smaller towns they're going to college or, or trying to find a job or something like that. And the older folks stay there because they have been there all their lives. So so maybe as a fans of this sport, uh, we cannot change how people will move uh, in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years. But um, we can make sure and we have to make sure that when people move to cities that we are still able to give their the uh, give them the experience of uh, seeing Pesis uh, playing playing Pesapalo or 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 just uh, being a part of it so so we we have to be able to be relevant in the cities but we don't we have to remember also the small towns not not just the cities so that's one of the challenges I think this sport is going to have like in next 40, 50 years. Well, it's an interesting point you make about trying to retain the, the kind of core of the fan group, but also reaching out to newer audiences that maybe would want to connect in a different way uh, with the sport. And one of the big challenges that I think most sports around the world have had during this uh, pandemic has been keeping that connection with fans even though you can't go and see live games so i've seen a lot of um things on on social media obviously um i i talked about some of them in in my blog but um one of the things that um really warmed my heart was the live streaming that you did of of old classic games um tell us a little bit about how that uh, idea came about uh well that's something that, that was actually quite funny because uh, back in the uh, 90s and still today my parents have 
a really, really, really big collection of, of Pesapalo games. Like from 1987 to this day, every every broadcast that have been in, in television, they have. And, and some, some of the games that my dad had just filmed with a home camera. But um, I used to watch those games when I was a little kid and when I was a teenager, like in the wintertime when there was no Pesapalo available because the uh, season is quite short and the summer is quite short here in Finland. So I have been doing that every year, every winter. And now now that the, um, uh, well, things happened and, and, and this virus came, and I started to think that could I, could I somehow um, give this experience also to other people? And I'm, it was it was very nice to see that um, people were excited that and and people learned that hey we we had we have had this game before 2010s and and especially the uh, younger kids because I heard that uh, like kids who who have been born in 2010s or 2000 2000s like 10 year old or 15 year old kids. They they were enthusiastically watching like old games. But what has been what what has this sport been in 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 the eighties or in the nineties or something like that? So so I I think it's very very important to know the roots and know the traditions and and that was something I just something just clicked that hey maybe I could I could live stream it to everyone else and. You did a really good job with it. I know. I know lots of fans who wouldn't even speak Finnish really enjoyed being able to see some of the footage. I know I certainly did. Thanks. Thanks. That actually, that was that was a like um, therapeutic um, sessions for me also because because there was real like camaraderie camaraderie in the chat and 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 with the uh, I had those guests with me and and there was so many weeks when when finland was also in lockdown and you could you couldn't really do anything so so that was something we were in the right place at the right time so there was thousands of people gathering up in friday nights watching watching old games from like uh, 30 years or so well i was going to um ask ron as well um how did you find uh, staying in touch with uh, Paspalo during the uh, lockdown period? Well, um, so initially, I, I just did a lot of reading. Well, I didn't do a lot of reading. I kind of ignored all sports. And then as people started talking more about Think Clean Back, I started. So obviously, Auntie's uh, videos were fantastic, were really cool way to, to like just on a weekend, to, even if it was like, you know, at the time difference, he's already, he's already recorded. But it was really helpful for me to stay in touch. I started following other teams, actually. This is actually the first time that I've, you know, gone outside of my sort of Vimpoli, Lapua uh, sort of uh, area and looked at teams from all over Finland because it was just kind of a, I think because of the quarantine and because of, of not being sure what was going to happen with sports in general and baseball, I think I was more interested in like, let's just keep paces alive as much as possible everywhere. And so I think that it's, I started looking at other teams' Instagrams, following their Instagrams and their social media, um, and so that was kind of what I did was start exploring uh, the sport, but his videos were really huge for me. And then watching my own footage on YouTube and stuff too, because there's a lot of still a decent amount of stuff out there. And uh, Miko, how did you find um, staying in touch with the sport? Because I know 
Um, you've been doing a lot of stuff with the Pespalo Federation of, of Asia. You've been obviously trying to help them learn the game a little more. Um, how did you find staying connected with everything that was going on? Uh, actually, I tried to do the kind of thing that I didn't keep in touch with my uh, with my normal contact people inside the sport because I was not um, I'm not affiliated with any club at this point. So uh, I actually tried to live a life as a so-called normal uh, Bessis fan and try to find out that what kind of information can I get. Uh, through those channels that you have been talking about and it was a it was a really good experience i mean uh, at the later stages of the lockdown or or when we knew that we are gonna play the season and uh, i uh, signed a contract to be the uh, expert for the our national betting company so i had to dig in more and find more information but before that i i just tried to uh, do the same thing that you guys have been doing, uh, Ron and Ian. So it was, uh, I think that a lot of clubs now, they are starting to step into 2020s in terms of like having their own uh, shows, uh, their own podcasts. Uh, some are doing some TV or video content, but uh, it's a slow process and obviously it takes time. But uh, we have to remember that, for example, Joensuu uh, Maila that is now doing good quality content. Uh, I remember that back in 2014 when I think Antti was uh, with Sotkamo Jymy at that time. Uh, Sotkamo was the lead, uh, was definitely like streets ahead of everyone else at that time in terms of the content that they produced. But I, I was one of the people who introduced the idea that Joensu Maila could also hire a person who's just re- responsible of creating content. And people I can say that people outside the club were laughing out loud in Joensu that it's never going to work, that it's just a waste of money, to be honest. That it's never going to be that big, big of a deal. And we're talking about the year 2014 or so. And uh, six years later, now they are, uh, in my eyes, one of the leading or or maybe the leading club in terms of uh, content producing. But that's the yeah, that's obviously the what uh, we have to do nowadays to be able to keep in pace with the other sports and like get new fans also to the stands. And actually, that that that's one of the dilemmas of of content creator because uh, content creator versus um, uh, like um, guy who who sells or ma- or makes those um, sponsor deals, uh, he can show with the Excel Excel uh, sheets that that. <laughs> This this amount of money is coming to the club right now, but content creator is like he has to just say that well it it was important what I what I did but yeah yeah but you you cannot you cannot really show it the same way that that what you do is important so so um, that's definitely a good sign that more and more clubs are. Uh, investing in this apartment also 
I got to piggyback this just real quick, real quick, Ian, before you jump in. I got to say two things. One, Antis worked back in the day. We met, we met in a Defenders Embassy in 2017 when <clears throat> I sort of, when this, my story went viral about Finnish baseball. But his work really early in the day, even though I was a team, a fan of a different team, was really helpful for me in those days because I remember the 2014 days when I used to have to go on Vimeo and say the recordings, there's a fixed camera, there was no audio. It's just like a camera of watching games or whatever. But I just want to say that for teams, anybody who ends up listening to this, that, you know, for fans who are international, as more and more fans start to learn about Paces and start to see the game, having, having so much content from the league, not just from teams, but from the league, has been so huge for growing the yeah. sport. I know Antti's seen it because yeah. of all the English language folks who respond to everything now. Whenever we post about patients, <laughs> somebody from Canada, folks from America, they're all like, what is this? This is crazy every year. So I think we, we need more of it, but it's been so great to have a consistent presence from the league doing this in the, in the 10 plus years that I've been a fan of the game. It's been so awesome because now I can just send someone a link and they can look at it Versus in the old days when I had to spend time explaining it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 really weird that uh, whenever like I I think it just like an ordinary home run or something like that, and people are people from the states or or Canada, North America, or anywhere else, they are retweeting it and and being like, "What is this sport and how can I see it?" <laughs> it it's it's so it's so silly. <laughs> For for me, for me, but but also I'm I'm very proud of it, and I'm very proud of Pesapalo that that the the sport itself have has that that kind of magic that uh, that people are begging for more. Well, I was going to say um, my journey is pretty similar uh, to Ron's. We we talked about this um, a few podcasts back, but. In terms of when we came to the sport, it was roughly the same time period. So seeing the growth in in the content and the accessibility now is 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 massive, and it's it's really easy to um, follow teams to follow games. Now uh, back in the day, I was just watching, going, I need to try and understand this. I'm going to have to read the rule book. Uh, as as a lawyer, <laughs> that I am reading the rule book cover to cover, um, and and try and understand it. But you know, you don't understand it from reading. You you understand it from from watching those games and having that content and having that growth has been really important um, f- for me uh, as a foreign uh, fan. Um, where do you think the future is going with uh, with Pespal at the moment? It, obviously, we. we trying to engage with this podcast with with english speaking audiences or um even connecting with some people in in finland a, a lot of our listeners and um viewers on the blog actually uh, are from finland as well and are starting to come uh, new to the sport uh, where do you think we're going well it, it's hard to say i'm, I'm not really the uh, uh i'm not maybe the best guy to say where the sport is going uh, as I said earlier, uh, I hope we can still keep Pesapallo relevant. We we have now very very good uh, viewing numbers in in Ruutu also where the plays are uh, games are uh, shown, uh, and actually 
it's it's funny now that we we spoke about the uh, the game uh, coming to bigger cities and and Tampere and so on because lots and lots of in in 2000, 2010s it has been very very important now you can see every game if if you want to you can see every game uh, from uh, from internet and and like if you go 15 years back it wasn't it wasn't like that. So now we are able to give this game to also to the uh, people that aren't living next to a town or city where there is their own team. So so I think that has been a very, very important part of uh, growing to sport. And now I think because of the uh, unfortunate situation that we have had in this uh, spring, I think that is going to be more and more the uh, di- direction that we are going. Of course, it's still important to uh, to ha- have attendances in 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 the stadiums, and I think the sport is still best to be viewed <laughs> from the stands and and from a couple of couple of feet away in the stadiums. But but now uh, in 2010s because we have we have you can see all the games uh Bessies have been uh, and and attracted uh more more relevance and, and more fans so so i think i like that direction where we are going but hopefully hopefully uh, all the restrictions will at some point uh uh, go away and and the situation will be normalizing and and we could we could enjoy also the matches that have uh thousands of fans uh in 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 the stadiums because i think my most fond memories of of pesapallo is really ex- experiencing the game with like 5000 or 6000 fans and and there are not not uh, now now maybe some uh, you know, uh, some listener from states is laughing like what what's so <laughs> why what's so uh, special about uh, special about crowd of of 5000 or 6000 but we you have to remember that uh, we are quite a small country and and actually our like top stadiums that is to that is quite a limit that we can put <laughs> in the stadium well, I think uh, that about wraps up the first portion of the um, podcast. So we'll take a short break and uh, we'll be back to talk about some of the postseason moves. Okay, uh, welcome back. Um, we're now talking about uh, some of the postseason moves. As we get towards the end of the tunnel, Miko and I were talking about the light at the end of the tunnel in the May podcast. We're almost out of it now. Super Pesis season is just around the corner. Um, so I started looking at, at some of the moves uh, and different signings from different teams. Um, Miko, is there anybody... Uh, that's caught your eye uh, as as a, an interesting signing. Well, yeah, actually, they there are a couple of ones, and uh, they. What I actually like is that they have come from pretty surprising, uh, like 
places and for, by pretty surprising teams. Uh, okay, they have been some uh, major transfers also that uh, make make some teams. For example, Patio and Urhelia has is really coming to the big picture as a championship uh, candidate uh, if everything goes uh, their way. But I think that a lot of teams in the middle of the pack, even those teams who have been predicted to play uh, of places between 9 and 14, they have made some shrewd signings. uh, But I have to say that there was not one big thing that would change the whole picture of the league dramatically. I mean... Uh, most of the championship teams, championship candidates, they kept their core of the team. Uh, obviously, Joensu got a, a couple of uh, couple of guys to fill in the gap that Thomas Jussila left, but uh, but it's been an interesting mix of like uh, players players uh, going to different teams and also some players uh, deciding to uh, stop their playing career for now, for example. And obviously during the spring time when the teams had to go through some salary cuts, uh, there have been uh, even more changes. So it's been like uh, there has been a lot of activity, but not one thing that I could bring up just like that. Well, you mentioned uh, Thomas Yusilla. Not so much a, a massive blow for Yoansu, but uh, a massive opportunity for uh, IPV. Um, they just missed out on the uh, the playoffs last year uh, in a, a bit of a nail-biter against uh, Kite. Do you think that uh, Yusilla will help get them over the line this year? To be honest, I would, ha- I would say that he has to. And... Uh... I, the reason why I say that is that in my eyes, uh, the whole organization in Imatra has been building uh, a hype uh, around the club and building the team and building a new stadium and creating like the relevancy of the club within the their uh, area again. They used to be a championship club, but they... They went to the lower leagues, and they now now they're back. And but in a way, they have come to a crossroad. That now they either they had to make a high-profile signing to support the like the core that they already had players like Sami Paratanen and so on. And uh, Yusila obviously was a high-profile signing, an expensive one, but. A player who will take, if he's healthy, he will take them over the line uh, for me, for sure. Uh, but it's uh, it's always a it's a high risk, high reward situation, to be honest. And it has to it has to pay off. But I think that they will get to playoffs with with his help. Well, I uh, I ran a Twitter poll on this topic, uh, Kite and IPV. Will both of them make the playoffs? Will only one of them? If it's only one of them, which one or neither of them? And the majority of people said that IPV, they think, will will make it into that top eight and, and not uh, Kite. So um, I, th- I think it's a it's a thought process that a lot of people are, are starting to, to come to as well. 
Um, Ron, was there anybody that uh, caught your eye uh, moving teams? You know what? I'm not going to lie to y'all. You know what I've been doing this this off season? I've been watching women's faces. Like, I'm not even going to tell you, oh, yeah, like, I'm a super, I mean, like, part of it is that Vimpoli thinks we're in a weird crossroads right now, you know, like, it's hard to know what's going to happen, and, like, I'm, I'm always, like, positive about, about the team's possibilities, but I think that it's going to be an interesting year to see what happens, and we'll just kind of let that play out, but honestly, I've, especially given the pandemic, I've just been really excited about watching some of the women's teams just cross the board, like, watching the gameplay and so forth. So that's kind of what I've been doing. So that's, that's, there's my plug for the women's super paces. There you go. Well, we'll, we'll come on to, um, to that a little bit more in the, uh, in the news section, because of course the women's super paces, uh, season has, has already started. Um, but it, it's interesting, Ron, you, you talk about Vimpelli in a state of rebuilding and, and kind of remodeling. We've already mentioned, uh, Sami Harpakoski has, uh, gone back to Patio and, um, he of course won the championship with them uh, back in two thousand and eight, uh, and you know he's had a, a very healthy uh, decade with with Vimperli. So it's a massive signing for uh, for Partijoen, and it's one of the um, one of the key reasons I think that they are one of the uh, teams to look at for potentially upsetting the last uh, few years of. Yuansu, KPL, Sotkamo and Vimpeli could somehow nestle in amongst those four. For me, I think Sotkamo are also in a, a bit of a rebuilding phase. Uh, they obviously lost a couple of years back now. Um, Yannick Omolainen has now become the game manager. Um, Antti Hartikainen and um, even uh, Tony Kohonen. Um, Hartikainen is now with uh, Yuansu. What do you think about that as a, a fit, Miko? I, I think it's an excellent fit because uh, he's been a quality player for uh, a, at least a decade now. I mean, at the very highest level. And even as a, like, uh, during the last couple of years, I think that he has really even matured more as a player in some ways. I mean, uh, I think that he can still, uh, even though uh, he's not a young man anymore, but he's like he's got the experience, he's got the physical ability, and he's got the leadership skills that, like when uh, they had, they have had good experiences, obviously during the last couple of years, and the the team knows how to win. But you can never have too many guys who who you know. Who are gonna step step up to the plate when it counts, and uh, and he's definitely one of them. But um, the one thing that I meant, I actually would say about the postseason move and the way that uh, the season is gonna be played in terms of uh, how many games and how what kind of system we have due to the pandemic and so on. Uh, I would use the term that the pack has been shuffled more than I can remember in any single postseason in the last like 20 years or so. So, and when we add to the fact that the playoffs, uh, we play the best out of three. So just two wins are enough to get you over the line. So the element of surprise is, is completely different if we play 
best out of three and not best out of seven. So uh, now we're uh, realistically talking about that we have five or six teams who have uh, like on their day if they can manage to avoid injuries to key players at certain times of uh, like the most important times of the season, they have a realistic chance of the title. And that is something that this board needs. That That's for sure. Absolutely. And uh, you talk about um, injuries and, and, and health worries. Um, in the practice matches, we saw uh, KPL resting Yari uh, Dahlstrom, um, who again another player with um, a good pedigree, you know, a really interesting move uh, for him. But they rested him, no health worries at the moment, just resting him, making sure he he's okay, fit for the season. But one of the things I was I was reading was that there's quite a few big names stacked up in KPL's lineup, and one of the questions is, will they all? get their opportunity to play. Um, I think it was uh, Ansi Lamela. Um, uh, he'd been sidelined for the for the Taco game and it was just, a, well, there's no room for you in the in the lineup. Uh, Tony Kohonen made his his debut for, for KPL as well. So for me, I, I, I thought there was quite a few interesting moves uh, to KPL. I I really think they're they're gunning for it this year. They really want that. Uh, that extra step up, they want that championship, and these signings for me um, are, are a sign of that. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely agree that it, it is a sign that they're gonna go with go for it this year. And uh, if we take a look at the age structure of this whole team, they ha- they have a lot of experience, and and with that experience, when we Combine it with the with the burden of playing two or three games a week, uh, traveling across the country when it's the warmest time uh, in Finland. Uh, the reality is that the teams that have fifteen or sixteen quality players in their roster, they're 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 gonna benefit. Uh, like, and it's not something that you can do in Pesapallo normally. You cannot keep the players happy, and you cannot you cannot afford to play uh, pay them all like you have fifteen quality players. That's just a fact. But um, they they have those players, and uh, if if some player like uh, if they come up with a minor injury, they can uh, just make minor tweaks to the system, and off we go. So it's like uh, that. For me, it takes uh, Kovala, yeah, quite far in the, at least in the regular season. And uh, also, Joensu has a similar kind of situation that they replaced Yusila with basically three players. So so now they have a roster that they can use. And uh, Sotkamo is also strong on those accounts and so on. So, uh, so yeah, I think they're going to... Uh, Go for they they're gonna be the for me the top three in the regular season for that because they they can rotate to some extent. Rowan, Rowan, quick question. This is for, as a follow up for the fans who are listening to this, who actually like the fans who are kind of new to the game. These names these names could be making these names up for all they care. They don't know who we're talking about. But like for a, for a, but so you talk about a Paces roster being like fifteen. We know that for people at home, if you're really new to Paces, nine players in the field, three jokers, right? So 12 yeah. players at bat. 
But so 15, 16 players gives you three or four guys on the bench. Um, you say like having a deep roster like that, how often do teams sub guys, sub different guys in? Like, are there like, is that common or is it pretty uncommon? Well, I would say that uh, the teams, they want to play with uh, like the same same roster and the same lineup one like one game after another. So uh, the, the team managers, the, the head coaches, they don't like to make major changes between the games, like uh, changing three or four players every game. But I think that we're in a different situation now. I mean, uh, yeah, the teams have had extra time to prepare for the season, but when the team, uh, when the season actually starts, and when the when we take a look at the schedule, a rotation is gonna be like compulsory if you want to keep the players healthy, and uh, so so I think we're gonna see quite a bit more rotation. Uh, even the top teams this year. And and one thing that I have to mention is that uh, because there's no fear of relegation this season due to the COVID-19 uh, situation, uh, that means that uh, unfortunately we're going to end up in a situation quite soon when where some teams have lost their playoff hopes and uh, we all hope that it's not going to end up with like their top players transferring into the top teams like in Finnish ice hockey it has happened a lot during the last decade or so when they closed the a league like in North American uh, like professional leagues but but I would say that it will create more opportunities for the young players to have a like uh, safe platform to show their skills on the highest levels earlier in the season than they would normally have. And um, okay, it will create its own problems, but I think that we're going to see more rotation without injuries from teams than previously. It's interesting you you mentioned rotation, Ron, because um, obviously, for example, Major League Baseball has... A much more packed <laughs> um, season, 162 games in a year. Yeah, that's right. Yep, that's yeah. right. And uh, often you see two or three possible people in different positions. You often see them uh, jostling around in in different games. Um, but you do have a, a core. So, for example, if you've got a star uh, cleanup hitter, you, you you always want them on the field somewhere. Or if they're a designated hitter, you always want them in the lineup. Well, but it's different because with with the way you explained it here, yeah, it makes sense. I think you know, it's the same guys. I explain to people when you do the pace this time. Like, there are no relief pitchers. That guy's a pitcher. That's what he does. He's a pitcher. Pitches all the time. Whereas we, we have pitchers who, you know, you go in for a couple of innings, you pitch. A new pitcher will come in and pitch for an inning or two. If you're doing poorly, they pull you out of the game and someone else will pitch. But only they only pitch. Um, most, most good teams will have a fourth outfielder who will play – two, three times a week. Um, maybe that, that fourth outfield is also really good at third base. So put him at third base to give third baseman a break. But I like this idea of we get, because it's going to be the same thing here because of a short season, things are going to get weird. So a lot of the things we're used to seeing are going to be strange, but it also translates the paces. I always say, and I've said this before on this podcast, that I think that the reason that paces gets people so excited in North America is because 
really baseball and Pacers are closer. They're really close to each other. I know they're really different, but at the end of the day, when you're talking about it, just baseball, it's just baseball, really different depending on where you're at. And so it's going to be fascinating to see the ways that uh, it's going to change the, uh, the way that you watch base, watch paces this year, because I think it'll be closer, a little closer to a, fan, a baseball fan watching it. You'll it'll see more normal because of things like different guys getting to play, or if your team is out of the, out of the race, your minor, your younger players get to play. That happens here too. We do that all the time. At the end of the season, your team's out of it. You see a ton of young guys. And some people are excited about that. Some people are less excited about that. But I think it'll be really cool for fans to get to experience that. Um, unless it's your team, obviously. But <laughs> Just one thing about that uh, regarding the rotation and the need for rotation is that Uh, just some data that I also gave, for example, to the Asian Basketball Federation and people interested in that when when we had those online lectures is that, uh, for example, one player that we have been talking about, Antti Hartekanen, uh, a couple of years ago, they took some data about putting a chip on his shoe for the duration of the game. So we got the similar kind of data that we have, for example, for football players, that how much they move around during one game and what kind of amount of that is like uh, full sprints. And uh, we were talking about, for example, for Hartekanen, who plays a major role both uh, on the outfield and as a runner and at bat too. So... Uh, His average in a couple of games was about eight miles of total running around in a game, which is pretty comparable to a, like a high-level football player. And out of that, he had high sprint, uh, uh, like full sprints uh, for a mile or so. And now we're talking about like 100% running uh, between the bases. So uh, a workload like that makes it pretty much impossible to play three games in one week without losing your performance levels and also your ability to recover between the games. So the risk of injury, it goes up way too much. And uh, so that's why it's going to be interesting to see how the teams will respond to that kind of thing. And uh, we have some things that we can do tactically that we don't necessarily make the runners run as much as uh, like normally but those are just minor things i think we need fresh players every once in a while and it's gonna be interesting to see how many of those we're gonna get we're gonna get new players rise to the top for that i i'm sure and i'm excited to see that Well, looking at the the flip side of the coin on on some of these signings, there are a few teams that sort of caught my eye for the wrong reasons, losing players. Um, you've obviously mentioned already Jonsson Myler uh, replacing Thomas Yusula with with three players, which uh, includes uh, Simo Vainikainen, who was a, a big loss for for Sipe, um, and uh, Topi Hurskainen for uh, Kite. Um, I can't see that they've made many changes to to help shore up those holes that those players have left. So f- for me, I think those teams will will struggle unless somebody who's already there or some of the younger players can step up and, and come into the fore. Would you agree, Miko? 
Yes, I would agree, but I would also say that it's a strategy for both of those teams, Gita and Sili Erbi, that they have chosen even before the pandemic, but especially after that. So now that there's no fear of relegation, they both have a young core in their team. So, and they they were able to say uh, that we're gonna build uh, this season like this. So we're gonna, like for example, uh, in Gita they they uh, they have been winning championships in the oldest uh, junior junior age groups, for example, and. Uh, they have talented young players coming coming up there still uh, very young. We're talking about 18, 19, 20, something like that. But it, now now is the perfect situation for those guys from their own area. Get that experience. And uh, it's like, I know that uh, in places like that, it, it means everybody loves success, but they want to see the, uh, their own juniors come up and take that responsibility and it's it creates the bond between the uh, people around the club and that is what they need because those uh those teams from the rural rural areas they have two opportunities either you're gonna grow up your own juniors to become the uh, major players in your uh, first team or you're gonna have to pay a lot of money to get average players there if you don't have the uh, if you don't have the ability to play for the championship, you're not gonna get the uh, top players. But you have to play. You have to pay uh, extra money to get average players. And for me, that is stupid. I mean, to this is just my honest opinion that uh, it's actually a healthy uh, healthy situation to see that the teams will rely on their own. Juniors. Well, I think that pretty much wraps up the second part of the uh, podcast. So we'll take another short break and uh, be back with the news. Okay, uh, welcome back. We're uh, joined once more by uh, Antti Harpasalo. Um, so the biggest news item is that the season format has now been released. Uh, last time in our in our podcast, we, we knew it was going to be uh, the beginning of July. We just didn't know what the season would look like. Um, we now have a shortened season, only 24 games, and uh, teams have been separated into geographic, uh, locations into four different groups north south east and west um auntie do you want to talk us a little bit about the format for this year oh yeah well this is a format that is um quite necessary now and and that's not something that pesapalo is now going going to be from now on it's just the situation and and uh coronavirus and and all that uh, why this? Uh, why we have come to this? It's that um, the teams won't have to travel that much in the regular season, and and also they uh, they don't have to uh, travel that far. So okay, 
now me be, me being a sports romantic i would li- love to see all those uh, teams uh, meet up in in the regular season but that's something that we we have to we have to just um, accept now in terms of not meeting each other so my understanding is that the north teams won't play the south teams and the east teams won't play the west teams during the regular season is that right yeah that that's right so so they will they will uh meet up within the uh group so north teams will meet up like uh more times each other than than uh, than what they would meet uh what they will meet the uh east east and west teams but now it's interesting if you if you take like uh last year's uh, uh semi-final teams uh Vimpeli Veto and Joensu Maila Sotkamo Jymy and Kovola Palolo they won't meet up in the regular season at all so now if if there will be playoffs where they meet it, it's quite interesting to see what happens and now because the playoffs will be played uh best out of three so so be- people have talked about uh, that there will be uh, surprises and there could be surprises and that's something that uh probably all of us are are uh dying to see now but yeah people people are willing to see people are willing to see what what surprises there, <laughs> there are going to be i think it's I think it's good for the game, probably, if you think about it, right? Like, we've had so many years of the same thing. Even as a Vimpoli fan, the years and years of the same final every year, the same two teams. And now we've broken that with, you know, Joma. But, like, still, the same team is kind of breaking through. So I think, you know, this isn't just a basis thing. This is a sports problem across the board, right? Like, all the sports are having to do this with these weird formats and these different playoff things. But I think it could be good for basis, especially to break that a little bit, see what kind of chaos gets created. Um, you know. Yeah, and we have to we have to remember that uh, although they the uh, all the teams won't meet up in in the regular season, uh, quarterfinals are being played. That the uh, first in the regular se- regular season uh, they get to choose from the teams from uh, five to eight, and and two after the second one gets to choose after that, and third one after that, and the fourth one says gets what it <laughs> gets gets what there there is left so that is going to be interesting also will will the teams choose automatically the uh, worst and I, now I people won't see my quotation marks but the worst team in the regular season or will they uh, for example want to meet up like a team that is close to them or or something else like that so that is definitely something that there is a place to um, be tactical absolutely it's a really interesting uh, concept getting uh, to choose your opponents in that next round um, one of the things that I I monitored through my my blog and I, I looked at uh, throughout the year was how different teams were performing week on week and towards the end of the season, there were certain teams that were really coming into their own. They were really hitting their stride. Now, if they're, you know, in a different position in the top eight, you might want to say, "Oh, they're really on it right now. 
let's try and avoid them and, and choose somebody else. So there's a lot of thought processes at play and it's it's a really interesting concept. I actually think um, that the league's done a, a really good job at trying to juggle all of these different demands. You know, there's the, uh, the lack of travel, uh, trying to cut that down, while also trying to make each geographic grouping quite balanced. And I think those groups have been pretty balanced in terms of who is in each of those groups. Um, I did um, a little bit of statistical um, modelling on my blog where I looked at various different results from last year and, and this year's Holly SM. And I looked at how the new format might alter the um, the outcomes. Surprisingly, it wasn't that dramatic. It, it did suggest that the top four might benefit, um, I think for the very same reason that you were saying that, for example, Sotkama won't play against KPL. You know, those are games where um, last year they were quite tense. Sotkama took uh, two points, uh, KPL took one, and vice versa, as opposed to, say, games against teams that featured towards the bottom of the, uh, the table. So one of the things that might happen in this season is the top teams might have um, less trouble putting a bit of breathing distance between themselves and uh, five to eight, for example. Yeah, yeah, and I, 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 I think the biggest, uh, biggest um, interesting thing to see is that uh, now that they don't meet each other, they are probably not that familiar with the way they play. Mikko, Mikko can comment on that if he wants to, but I think that it will be a fresh... <laughs> First thing to see that the first time they will see in the playoffs if they make it there, we have to remember that. But uh, and 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 they have they have to do really 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 good scouting because they haven't played at all. So so that will be one surprising thing to see. I'm I'm sure about that. Well, I suppose that's um, it's another reason why you might want to choose a different team than the worst team, and I'm using the air quotes again that nobody can see, <laughs> the worst <laughs> team uh, when you're picking your um, your opponent in the first round of the playoffs. Um, if you don't know much about them, if, if they snuck into the playoffs and you don't have much in terms of scouting on them, you might think they're a bit of an unknown, we could take a risk and go for them, or we could go for a team that might be a place above them, albeit a point or so, but we know we can beat them. So it's, it's some really interesting dynamics. Um, Mika, what do you think of the new format? I would go along saying that the Super Pesis has done a remarkable job in getting the system uh, to be able to function in these circumstances. But if we're talking about from the sporting point of view, uh, for me, the interesting thing is that, okay, th those are very interesting things facts that uh, you, you can get to choose your opponent and stuff like that but uh, if we take a look at the actual format and uh, bear in mind that if, when we're talking about the home advantage in the previous years uh, Joensu has actually started the playoffs from uh, spot four in the in the both in both of their championship seasons 
So uh, we have been talking about home advantage, but when when the chips are really down at the end of the season, they have been able to actually minimize that and like just play out the uh, strengths of their opponents. And now I see that when we're playing best out of three and we're playing a game of two periods and we have in each of the teams that will reach the playoffs playoffs in my books for sure we have like we have uh, these super hitters like Jukka Pekka Vainionpää, Juha Korhonen, Perttu Ruuska if they they hit a home run once with the bases loaded and that team is super close to winning that particular period and winning that takes you to the extra inning and like after that you're you're pretty close to getting a you at least get a chance to win the game and if you would be able to do that you're like in the best out of three you're wow i mean and that can actually happen at, at least like uh if i think about the teams that will reach the playoffs uh i would have a really hard time thinking that who they would want to choose like if a team for example if team like imatra reaches uh, the playoffs as the seventh or the eighth teams uh who wants to choose a team that has for example if they have a healthy sami partan and a healthy thomas yusila uh who wants to play against them in the out of three? Even if you're the winner of the regular season, like it's a, it's gonna be super interesting. And 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 let's humor ourselves with this uh, uh, with this uh, speculation that maybe uh, in, in in the quarterfinals, as as Mikko said, uh, there is a element of surprise. And what happens if if the uh, opponent that is um, underdog wins there the first match is in the uh, visitor field and then the second match you get you get to you you get to go to your home stadium and and the, you you have you have just one win to go to make it to the next level so there is going to be some interesting things and and well uh, now in the july the uh, attendance Maximum maximum attendance is fifteen uh, hundred, uh, but um, let's see if it goes up more. So uh, there, there could be some <laughs> some great great shouting and 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 great atmosphere. Well, Ron, you're you're used to um, the baseball season in Major League Baseball. Um, obviously, you've got things like the wild card game and then the division series, which are shorter series than, you know, the, the best of seven World Series. Um, I'm a St. Louis Cardinals fan, and uh, back in 2011, there was a, a a single game between the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals because they were both had the same number of wins and losses um, for the wild card spot. And that sparked this whole change of how they then now do um, the postseason in MLB. Um, what's your experience of shorter series in in that kind of arena? So I've been a baseball fan a long time, and the people who are listening to this who are also baseball fans know that you know 
the short series are relatively well, not relatively new, but baseball expanded playoffs a lot for the last 25 years. You know, in the old days, there weren't all these rounds. Um, but because all of our sports have series for the most part, other than football, we're pretty used to these kinds of setups. A best of three is scary because, like, like, like we go and like, and uh, like, uh, Auntie both said, like, you just don't know what's going to happen. Like anybody listening to this who's a fan of your team, expect under expect underdogs to, to upset things. Like whoever we predict's gonna win the whole thing is not gonna win the whole thing. It's gonna be the craziest year you've ever seen because in a best of three, like you said, all you need to do is win one game on the road, go home, and you have two chances to take this thing. And as far as picking, you're picking an opponent, which is wild. The thing to consider also is that like we're talking, we're speculating before they've played a played a regular season game. You're going to have, okay, I haven't seen them play, but you're going to have stats. You're going to be able to see if someone's had a losing streak at the end of the year and they're not playing great. Maybe they won the league, but they had a lost their last couple of games, but they started off hot. You may want them because they're not playing well. Well, we're playing really hot at the end of the year. Watching Yoma last year just mow through the postseason like they did, and then Sakamo at the end, you know, when they get to the championship, and Sakamo's like, just kidding, fools. Like, don't get cute. Like, we've won 17 of these. We know how to win. Like, we grew up winning these things, and Joma got cute at the end, and they won it all. But really on the bat, you know, but uh, that last game. But I think that we're not, you're not going to have the luxury of that this season of being able to stretch it out. And so I think that the short series, it's who knows what's going to happen. And also, I think once fans get attracted to these short series, and with the future being what it is, who knows if we're stuck with this kind of, not this format, but of the uh, of these short series because – it does really, it really does create tension for the fans. It makes things more exciting. It's not great when it's your team losing. But um, the other thing I'll say real quick is that talking about baseball and the parallels. So also baseball fans know that until 1993, so 1995, the American and National Leagues didn't play each other. So they didn't play. You didn't see your other opponent until the World Series. So it's pretty common for us to, to experience that um, just to see how that goes and how it changes the game a little bit. But yeah, really excited about the format changes. And and for the listeners who are not in the same map of why we are so excited about this, Pesapalo has two periods that have four innings, and after that one period, we go to the uh, the uh, runs will be at the zero again. So so it's a shorter amount of time, and now shorter amount of games to be played in those series. So that's why it's uh, we think. It could be a big of a big deal, but well, let's see, let's see. Well, one of the things that we've already started to see is the uh, social distancing rules, the hygiene rules put into action because the women's super passes has already started. Um, it started, um, I think it was a couple of weeks back now, and um, I, I must confess, I've I've not followed much of the the women's league before mostly because the team that i support and i'm going to try and not name who i support um the team that i support don't have a women's team so i I never kind of clicked with that but i've started watching some of the games and it's brilliant I've, i've i've really become hooked on on the women's game it's absolutely fantastic and you know it it started with such a such a great deal of risk to the players, to the fans who were there, um, perhaps more so than we'll see later on down in the season. But um, Ron, you mentioned that you've been following a lot of the women's 
uh, game. What have you been making of the game so far? I mean, really, all you if you if you're new to Paces and you're new to women's Paces, I got a name for you, Jeanette Lapisto. Like, it's really all you need to know. Really, start there and work from there. Okay. I mean, there are other players. There are tons of other teams. Um, but really, you just start there because there, I tweeted about this. But the other in the, in the opening weekend, she gets this drag bunt. Baseball fans know what a drag bunt is. That's one thing we all have in common. Except in paces, it's a pretty common thing where they hit with this open face, crazy thing they do with their hands. They hit these open face drag bunts that just like, I don't know how they do it. It looks like a tennis shot, but they're using it with a baseball bat. And this crazy drag bunt that drives home a run. That is not a thing you see in American baseball ever. But to watch it in paces, it's a common thing was really cool to see. Um, and so... I mean, I think that when I show people the differences between, you know, like men's and women's, the fact that you have a women's league that's vibrant, that's, you know, on the same same field, same game, um, whereas we don't have that. You know, we have softball and baseball and the games are very different. There's no major league soft. There is, but it's no one really watches uh, major league softball um, is I think it's really cool. And it's a really unique thing about uh, the finished sport and about paces specifically. And so, yeah, I've just really enjoyed. I'm doing, looking forward to getting into more teams. Obviously, I support Lapua. Um, have I actually since I started watching the games, but I've really enjoyed seeing all the different teams. I've watched three or four games a weekend now, where I'll just watch them and, and see the different teams and get to know some of their players. And so, I'm sure in future episodes, I'll have a lot more players to stand um, for you all to, to check out because it's, seriously, it's a fantastic game. They're technically skilled. Um, it's high energy. It's high fast paced. Seriously, I think it's, it's just as good as watching the men's game, I think. Um, maybe even a little better, but don't tell the guys I said that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 one thing I, I would like to, uh, that men's superpesis and the men who play Pesapallo would, would uh, copy from uh, women's superpesis is the uh, amount of energy they give to the crowd and, and the smiling faces and the cheers and they, they are... They are so into the sport, and now with this spring and and everything and and the uncertainty that we had, it it, it has been fantastic to see that the players really enjoy getting to play this sport now again, and 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 it, that has been just a joy. Yeah, and uh, I I would like to add that one thing that i have emphasized whenever i've been talking to uh, people about this sport in inside finland and especially outside of finland now that uh, actually gender equality is at a quite high level in in Pesapalo. and the, like the the quality of play is actually obviously it is one of the most important if not the most important thing that makes uh, women's pesapalo uh, so popular that uh, it actually if we take a look at the average attendance it can it can compete with the uh, football and the uh, ice hockey in in terms of women's sports in finland and that's uh, that's huge and uh, it's also something that if we take a look at the juniors we have a roughly i don't know the exact numbers but we have a high a percentage of the juniors who play the game are girls and that's that's one of the huge riches of the game uh, okay the the game is a little bit different and but it's not that much different i mean when we when we go to the specifics okay there are certain things that are played very differently but when you take a look at it the game is about the same and the like the 
players are really uh, like athletic. Their level of athleticism is is really high, and uh, so the quality of play is something that I'm I'm proud to take like to other countries too for them to see that the girls have a future in this sport uh, most certainly. And and one thing I I would like to say from this is uh, the first. First round with the four games that uh, was played in uh, women's uh, superpesis, they were sold out with the restrictions, of, of course. But but they were sold out. Uh, it's something like the, uh, the maximum attendance is is five hundred ish, not that much, a little bit less. So because they have to count for the ticket sales and and people who sell sausages and <laughs> and everything like that, but. They couldn't. They couldn't take more people in. So, so the crowd is also pleased that that Pesapalo is being played again. Well, it's been a real pleasure uh, talking with everybody uh, once again. I want to offer a, a very special thank you, Akitos Palion, to uh, Anti Harpasalo um, for uh, giving up your time for this podcast. It's been uh, it's been great. Thank you. It was my pleasure. And I also want to thank my uh, co-hosts, uh, Ron Brunson. Thank you once again. Always a good time. And of course, Mikko Pirhonen. It's been uh, good to talk to you again as well. Yeah, it's was fun. It's super fun. And if you want to know more about uh, Superpesis Roundup, you can visit our blog, uh, superpesisroundup.blogspot.com, or you can follow me on Twitter, at superpesisr. If you want to like or subscribe to the podcast, that would be great. If you don't, don't. If you want to leave us a comment, whether it's good, bad, I really don't mind. It would be fantastic to hear from you. Uh, But from me, Ian Alba, goodbye. Something that's hidden far away